This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com coach for more information. It's time again for the Coach Me Up podcast. I'm Jimmy Dykes. My co-host, as always, is Chris Burke, and we have another college basketball official on, Nate Harris. He works on the West Coast, primarily in the Pac-12, the WCC, the Mountain West, all those leagues out there. But another great story of a man who was running from God, Chris, at one point in his life, and now is doing everything he can to point people towards God. I know we're all going to be blessed. And you love talking to officials, yeah, right? Yeah, I see what you're doing here, Jimmy. I, I see what you're doing here. You're trying to get at my heart <laughs> issues, and I, I'm on to your game. So you're warming my heart to officials. Nate Harris, folks, I can't wait for you all to hear from him. Uh, he's going to inspire you. He's going to educate you. Um, he's going to tell a story of uh, running from God, but then but then running right into his grace and, and now using his life for for God's glory and the good of others. So it's a beautiful story. Can't wait to hear from Nate Harris. Nate Harris joins us on the Coach Me Up podcast. Nate's out on the West Coast. He's up early with us. And uh, I got to know Nate. Actually, I got to know him through his Monday night devotional that he and his wife Jess started, I believe, three years ago. We'll we'll dig into that a little bit, uh, Chris. But uh, Nate, man, it's so good for you to to join us, uh, college basketball official. Most of your work is is on the West Coast, so you see the the Pac-12 and the WCC, the Gonzagas of the world that we all know about. Uh, tell us how you got started in officiating. We always hear different stories. It's all unique, and I'd like to hear your story. Yeah, um, I was a junior in high school, um, and a, a local referee in the area. I lived in a small farming town, Quincy, Washington, about six thousand people. It's grown; it's really grown to about eight thousand people now. Uh, but a small farming town, and um, they're always looking for referees. And I was actually the team manager of basketball, um, and I, I played baseball and football, and uh, really enjoyed basketball. Actually, it was one of my favorite sports, and I thought I might want to get into coaching or something like that. And um, they saw me over there and I was yelling at them like, you know, some junior high, you know, junior in high school would yell at a referee. And they said, hey, if you're so good over here, why don't you come join me in three AAU games tomorrow at Quincy Junior High? And so and then he then he tells me it's twenty dollars a game. I said, well, that that sounds exciting. So uh, for high school kids, so I started doing that just to make some side money in high school. Um, never really thought I would do it as a career path or anything like that. Um, actually, thought I might get into broadcasting, believe it or not. And um, uh, yeah, so then I went to college, um, and as I was in college, I tell people all the time I caught the bug. Um, I went to an officiating camp uh, when I was twenty one years old. 
uh, my junior year of college um, and got hired in uh, junior college men's basketball uh, in the area. And then uh, four years later, I was uh, blessed enough to get hired in the West Coast Conference at 25 years old. So um, after I caught the bug, it was all in on officiating. That's really all I cared about. That's really all I wanted to do um, uh, with my life. Uh, at one point, thought I wanted a referee in the NBA. Uh, knew I wanted a referee in Division One college basketball, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And and it was. Um, it's been I've, I've been in Division One 13 years now, and I can't believe it. It seems like it was uh, just yesterday all that was going on. So, so what what was your path? What was your path to from stopping at at uh, D at uh, the West Coast Conference? You said you wanted to go to the NBA. What was the fork in the road that kept you in college as opposed to going after the NBA deal? Well, as many as many people. Um, that's a that's a long story and a, a great example of God's grace too and and um, you know how he's in, in involved in anything even if you're not following Jesus because I wasn't following Jesus during that time uh, in fact that's the last thing I wanted to do was to follow Jesus even though I grew up in a Christian home um, I, I was running and I was running uh, far away from the Lord during that time but uh, got hired at 25 years old and um, when you're when you're just starting out in uh, college officiating uh, or in officiating in general and you get hired in Division One. Um, many people are able to do a dual track where you don't have to really make a choice just yet because you're not working a bunch of games um, at that point. I think my first year I worked two or three Division One games, and so I was very still, still very interested in the NBA at that time. And then you go through the process of um, now they have a grassroots, a mid level, and an elite camp that they take referees through. Um, and I had actually got to the elite level, got hired uh, in the the development league uh, for the NBA, and I actually ended up turning it down. Uh, that summer. That's a long story um, <laughs> to tell y'all, but no. um, I mean, we can fascinate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know so, much about it. So I'd love to hear the, you know, that side of it. Yeah. So when I was, when I was, um, I got hired in division one and then my third or fourth year, I got invited to this elite camp. Um, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. Get hired in, in the NBA, went to the elite camp that summer, uh, went through the, got hired after the elite, got uh, went through the NBA summer league process um, and all of that kind of stuff. And then I was at new hire training that fall. And uh, my daughter went into the hospital uh, with hand, foot and mouth and she was 10 months old. And uh, I was of course out of town. Uh, it's really hard to get a 10 month old to drink water and take fluids in. So um, long story short, they, she had an IV for a little while, then they took it out and they ended up deciding to, um, you know, admit her into the hospital. And um, because uh, of how zoned in on officiating I was and how zoned in on officiating us referees get sometimes, especially when Jesus is not in the mix at all, um, my wife kind of felt like, hey, I, I, I didn't really want to tell him the full scope of what was going on. And my daughter was was really, really, really sick. And I should have left that left that uh, camp to go home. And I did not. Um, got back on Tuesday. And of course, she's eight years old today. And, and you know, God got her through it. Um, but it was really some soul searching over the next two to three weeks to really understand uh, what I wanted to do. Um, and God was not in my life at the time, but he was over my life, if that makes sense, and uh, really watching over me. And so that um, that August, I actually, I never worked a year in the development league. I actually called uh, and and declined the offer to work uh, after being hired. So um, long story short, I just realized um, the, the college basketball season shorter. Um, that was, it's five to six months. Uh, the NBA season, as you know, is still going on now. And, um, and so those guys work 
nine months out of the year, plus all their summer obligations. We have a few ourselves, but not, not as much as they do. And so, um, I looked for more life balance at that time and, uh, it was God's hand in it because, um, I'm sure we'll talk about M and D and the ministry and all that, but that would never have been able to happen. Uh, I think if I was refereeing in the NBA, um, or got that opportunity and, and God really had his hand in, in my life and in my family's life and, and the life we have now. So. So Nate, you, you've already mentioned a couple of times that you were running from God, you were not pursuing God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty-five years old as a Division One official and officiating was your life. It seems like what what changed? Yeah. Um, well, little backstory. I grew up in a, a Christian home on the outside, not so Christian on the inside. Um, it was uh, my my mother and father, you know, uh, had some struggles and, and um, you know, we were in the middle of all that. Uh, by the grace of God, their story is such a redemption story. They're still married today following Jesus. It's incredible. I get emotional thinking about it all the time. Um, but because of all that, I, I didn't want anything to do with them. I, I um, you know, I said, how can, how can a good God uh, allow me to go through something like that. Um, and I know a lot of people have stories worse than mine um, that they go through and have wrestle with that same uh, issue. So I just pushed him down. I just pushed it all down and said, I'm just going to, I'm going to pour all my heart and soul into my work, into officiating. I want to be a division one or an NBA referee. That's all I'm going to do. Um, and so I did that for 10, 12, 13 years. I mean, I, I, um, I, the West Coast Conference story. Um, I got invited to the Pac-10 West Coast Conference tryout camp in, in uh, 2010, uh, summer of 2010. Well, um, that summer, uh, right before I'm about to leave, my wife goes into the hospital um, and I was more concerned about how I was going to get down to the camp than taking care of my wife, who's in the emergency room and um, has some some things going on that we had to take care of. Um, and so that shows you where my priorities were, were really out of whack. And so um, I look back at that story and it, it really pains me to even say that and to, to walk through that. And God's working, you know, worked through that with me and, and um, thank you for what he's done. Um, but uh, I really was out of whack. I mean, my, my priorities, uh, were, were out of whack and I was more concerned about officiating and myself. And, um, I had, you know, anger issues towards, you know, I would go to camps and teach at camps and I would be screaming and yelling at other referees who were my peers a year before. I mean, things like that, that just were not, um, not the way that, that things should be done. Um, young, immature, but also just, um, you know, really fearful, really anxious. There's a lot of that stuff that was going on. And you asked Jimmy, what changed? So, um, my wife, who's just a a saint of a woman, she grew up in a non-Christian home. And uh, the incredible thing is she's the one that actually brought me back to Jesus. Um, she surrendered her life to Jesus and, uh, we have a, a, an annual meeting every year. So, uh, as, uh, as we, you know, go about life each year, we get together and uh, you and her, you and her together. have an annual meeting. Me, yeah, me okay. and her. Yeah, we get together. We go to a hotel. State of the union. Yeah, okay. state of the union. Okay. Yeah, really. Yeah, your uh, your second guest yeah. that has mentioned this, Rhett Lashley, the head football coach at SMU, does the yeah. same thing. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So how, well, how old were and, you at this uh, time when y'all this particular one? Well, we we started to do these probably. Uh, Jesus really wasn't in the mix. Probably after our daughter was born in 2014, 15, somewhere in there, we started to do these meetings, and um, but we go over our financial goals, our you know our spiritual goals 
goals, our family goals. What, what do we want our family to look like? And, um, you know, this year it's, you know, really trying to focus on how do we Sabbath as a family. That's one of our, our main focuses this year. Um, so, so she, in 2016, she says, hey, um, I'd really like to get connected. We've been fans of Jesus. We'd go to church once a, every six weeks or every month and, and then live however we wanted to throughout the week. Um, and so she, uh, she said, hey, I'd really like one of the things I have written down on my sheet. She comes a lot more prepared to these things than I do. Okay, guys, just being real. Um, but, <laughs> but she, she has a, uh, you know, she has down on her list that she'd really like to get connected to a church. And, um, you know, of course, me growing up in the church, I'm like, I'm not opposed to it. In fact, I had told her before when I wasn't following Jesus, I really want to marry a Christian woman as I'm marrying a non-Christian woman. It's really, I mean, the things that um, were going on in my head. And it was incredible to me how she was the one that said, I want to do this. And so April of that year of 2016, um, I'll never forget it. We uh, we went to a uh, to church that morning and um, there's this thing called First Connect at the church where you go up and you know, and I'm an outgoing guy. You can probably tell I, I, I'm an extrovert. Uh, she's more introvert. And she goes, hey, we're going up there. I said, no, no, no. We're going to go back to the car. We're going to get in the car. We're going to drive home. Like this is, let's keep going. And she goes, no, we're going up there. I said, I wanted to get connected. I said, okay, I'm, I'm good with it. So we walked up and, um, and then uh, got put in a community group that just, um, that really changed our lives. Um, uh, God just, uh, John came and rescued me and, um, and rescued her again, more depth to, to her walk. And it's just, uh, it's been incredible ever since. Wow. We're taking notes here. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I, I, I want to jump in. Uh, Chris, forgive me. We, we try to go back and forth. We've yeah. got pretty good vibe sometimes. No worries. You mentioned, you, you mentioned in, in maybe this previous meeting with your wife, yeah. one of the things you discussed was how do we Sabbath as a family? Mm. Tell me yeah. about that a little bit, Nate. Like, what does that look like for your family? You have two children, right? Yeah, we have two children. We have a twelve-year-old. Busy home, like like yeah. all of us. A lot of our yeah. listeners. Yeah. What what is what is what what got you to think about that? And what does Sabbath look like for your family? What do you want it to look like? Well, I, it's. I will say this: in 2023, as we all know, um, you know, in 2020, we could all Sabbath plenty, uh, <laughs> but in 2023. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It's challenging. We're always on the go. Our kids are, uh, my daughter plays soccer. My son plays golf and, and he's got a spring basketball season. He's in sixth grade. They're four week spring basketball season. I mean, it's really, really challenging. Um, and I, I don't want to say that we're the best at it, but it's something that we've prioritized as something that needs to happen. And, um, now I'm gone all winter, right? So when I'm, when I'm gone, most of the winter, we kind of pick a day that, that works when I come home to Sabbath or sometimes truthfully, I'll have to find six to eight hours on the road that I will Sabbath and, and take that rest. Um, she has prepared uh, our family for this and doing a ton of research. Uh, we read the book um, by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, which is a uh, just a tremendous book uh, that he talks about. When you look at Jesus in the Gospels, uh, he was never in a hurry. And our lives are constantly in a hurry. And we just got back from our first M&D retreat, and we talked about this idea of rest and Sabbath rest. And, um, you know, Sabbath was made not for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I think that that's really important for all of us to remember. And so um, the last couple of weeks, we really, um, we had the retreat last weekend, but the last couple of weeks, we've really started to say, um, 
you know, it could be Friday night to Saturday, depending on our kids' schedule. It could be Saturday night into Sunday evening. Um, but what we really do is um, we prioritize a meal together as a family, which we try to do each night, but during kids' sports is challenging. So um, we sit down. Um, this last Sunday was Mother's Day, so I told her to this, you sit outside and enjoy the sun, and uh, me and the kids are going to serve you today. And then we, we sat down as a family, had a meal. Um, we'll open scripture. Um, there, there's just a, a bunch of different things. And I will say this, I don't want to say it as a, uh, from a place of, you know, holier than thouness or uh, authority, but, um, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. And it's something that is a priority for us and we're working on it. Uh, and, uh, she challenges me in it. Um, because I, I will say the first time we really sat down to do this, um, the enemy came right after me because from stopping working, like, Officials are just like coaches and and um, and players. Like we we work on our craft and we really um, we we pride ourselves on what we do. And so um, to stop, to to literally stop, um, and take that rest and that time uh, with Jesus is is really hard. For you. you you will really battle your flesh uh, when you really try to prioritize and do it. And and the first time was a, quite a battle for me. <laughs> and then uh, last week, it's amazing we did it. And I, I sat down and um, you know Monday morning, I was I was very refreshed and and ready to go mm. for the week. So well, uh, one of my that. favorite uh, yeah. examples of Sabbath in our culture is and. It's not just my favorite. It's probably the most famous is Chick-fil-A and God's ways are best and mm -hmm. they are for our good and they are for his glory. And uh, I believe this is still true. I, I heard it fairly recently. Like Chick-fil-A is the uh, highest average grossing uh, fast food joint yeah, number one. In, in their business. Mm -hmm. And they work six days out of the week. And I think we'd all agree they take the day off. They probably would make the most like Sunday, they would. Oh yeah, there's probably, a lot of Sundays I want to go to Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, but but the the principle of of resting and taking a day off, the fruit of that um, is is proven in a lot of different ways. We don't need to go into the greatness of Chick Fil A, but one of them is their workers and specifically their their franchisees are so can be so filled up. Because they have a day off their plate. Imagine running one of the other ones that have now not only gone seven days a week, but a lot of them are 24 hours a day, right? And Chick-fil-A yeah. doesn't do that. And they take Sundays off. So anyway, it's a, I think, I think non-believers, any, anybody that's studying holistic health will tell you rest is good. Uh, yeah. and, and I tell yeah. my high school kids that I mentor and coach uh, on the private side of things, like, as much as you're going after your ceiling and bigger, stronger, faster, like rest is a part of that. Rest is as much work, maybe more important than the six days you're grinded to get bigger, stronger, faster, right? Your body needs no to heal. Your mind needs to get away from it. Um, so I would challenge our listeners to just invest in studying up on Sabbath. We got some great people at our church, specifically Kurt Souter, who, who's kind of an expert at it. But anyway, thank you for bringing that up. I hope that our yeah. listeners will, will take you up on that. I wanted to ask you about community on the road. Mm. Uh, a lot of our listeners, I, I'm certain, uh, find themselves on the road via a lot of different means, probably many of them just through work. What, what, is, what, is, what are some things that you do to stay accountable with your eyes uh, with your witness, um, and, and your trying words. to stay yeah, with your words and trying to stay, uh, locked in at home, even when you're gone. 
I just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without one country. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good question. A um, couple of things. Um, I have a group, and this has all come from our ministry. There's people that I would have never met or known or maybe had seen in passing that um, – have now become great friends of mine. And I have two specifically that um, we're in a group text all the time and we're sharing scripture and we are accountable to each other. Um, you, you know, you talk about with your eyes, with purity and things like that. I mean, it's, uh, um, we are challenging each other. Like for example, uh, after games, like I just spoke on this at the retreat last weekend, but it's like after games, I would rather sit there and watch an NCIS or a blacklist than, you know, you know, listen to the pause app or, um, you know, play worship music. I mean, cause we're just, we're tired and we're exhausted. Yeah. You, just want to so, check out. Um, yeah. you just want to check yeah. out a veg out, you know, and call it. So, um, and, and so we have people like they'll, they'll chat, we will challenge each other. And, and that group, um, you know, Jimmy says in his book, who are your five people? And, and I have a group of five now, um, two of them, two or three of them in basketball. And then I have, people back home. Uh, my pastor is uh, just incredible to me in the way he, uh, you know, will challenge me and and uh, come after me in ways that uh, sometimes a referee won't, you know. And so, um, those people that are speaking into my life um, that, that challenge me in that way. And then one thing I think is really important, when I fail, when I fail in my walk with Jesus, because I heard last weekend the pastor, uh, Brett Miles, who's a, uh, also a referee in, in uh, the church we had the retreat at, he said, you know, that um, when, you, when you're a Christian, you can sin just like the non-Christian does. And, and I, any sin that, that uh, is out there, a Christian sins just like that. We're just more aware of it. We're just more aware of that. So um, I think confessing that to a couple close friends and saying, hey, I, I, I swore here at, you know, at this coach or I said something. I try not to swear on the floor, but I, I, I swore or I, you know, I, I used poor language or I was a terrible witness here tonight. You know, I, I think that's really important because then we can take those and we can bring them to a brother in Christ. And then we can also bring them to the foot of the cross and pray over them. And, and allow God to to restore you through those moments, um, because that sanctification process uh, of striving towards holiness, but realizing we're never going to get there, and that's why He went to the cross, um, is really important. And I will say, having people in your life that are believers um, that come come after you, because there's times where I say something, and um, for example, I was on the golf course a couple weeks ago, and I may have grabbed the ball and thrown it in the ocean and said a swear word. And um, <laughs> You okay. golf like I golf. Yeah, right? So, yeah. So, I'm a little frustrated. I mean, we're at Bandon Dunes. It's a beautiful golf place, and, and the place is raining, and we've been in rain for four days, and I'm just over it. So, I'm, and by the way, I'm with brothers in Christ from the church on this golf trip. Okay? 
long story short, the guy is up, the, the marshal's up here on the left, and usually they try to get you to pick up your speed, and the guys all in the group gave me a bad time. They're like, well, he didn't say anything to us after you did that. Um, so, but, but you know, and, I'm, and here's a guy that, you know, I, I profess Christ, and I run in a ministry, and we, so we all fail, right? And I call yeah. my buddy um, a couple days later when I got back. I go, hey, I got to tell you something. And I tell him what happened. And I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, it's no big deal. Like, you know, whatever. He goes, well, we need to pray over that right now. And just that accountability um, that that he brought to me in that moment um, it w- was was really, really important. And I think that that's, um, that's really important to have people in your life that, that pour into you and, and – mm-hmm. um, and are going to challenge you and going to going to take you to the what the, the word of God's right over here take you to what the word of God says. Yeah, I've heard you speak before. Uh, I don't know what what I was listening to, but you made a great comparison of when you step on the floor as a college basketball official, your confidence comes from you know the rule book inside and out. You guys study it year round. You read it year round. I'm I'm with guys in the SEC on flights from and the next morning after a game, I, they're, they're, they're looking at the rule book. And you guys are constantly in the word of the rule book. Uh, what's the confidence we should have as followers of Jesus as, as this, as our, as our rule book? Yeah. Well, Please. I'm grabbing it here. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm going to quote Pastor Brett Miles just because he impacted me greatly last weekend at this, this retreat we had. But um he said in his sermon on Sunday, you know, we have to get in the Bible till the Bible gets in us. And what kind of food, and I've been on this charge a little bit lately too, what kind of food are we allowing into our life? Like we can, and I'm not saying to don't watch your favorite TV show. I'm not like, I'm not one of those guys that gets all legalistic about it, but really we have to evaluate what kind of music are we, what are we taking in? Because whatever we're taking in, uh, that's what's going to flow out of us, right? Um, you know, he is the vine. We are the branches. Well, are you, are you planted by the vine? Are you, are you planted, um, in Jesus and, and the way to get your spiritual food, the manna that came down from heaven, right? He, he is the bread of life. Now the Israelites are waiting for bread and he provides that bread. God provides that bread, but Jesus comes and says, I am the bread of life. Well, how do we learn about the bread of life when you talk? I talked about Sabbath earlier. Well, look at what he did here. I, you read the Gospels, and you 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 learn and see what what he's talking about. And um, if we're not feeding ourselves with spiritual food um, from the Word of God, then we're not going to be confident in what he's doing. Um, you know, and I, I think and in, in having verses to go to that. Um, you know, like for example, I, I've got First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen up here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Something like that is empowering, right? I mean, like we rejoice in regardless of your circumstance. Continue to pray to me regardless of your circumstance, right? Give thanks to me regardless of your circumstance, um, and 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 it will help you stay with in in the will of God. So thing, things like that. Um, for example, Ephesians four, um, you know, putting on the new self every morning. You know that we we still have our flesh, the old self is in us all the time, but uh, we have a choice every morning. Are we going to put on the new self? Or are we going to we're going to put on the old self? And not that we're not going to go back to the old self sometimes, but if we're not in the Word and we're not uh, spending time. Uh, allowing God to speak through us. One of my, my, 
favorite uh, passages is in Hebrews. You know, the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and, um, and, and I think that that's so important. Like th- this word is not, this is a supernatural book. It's not just some, some book about a teacher that, you know, gives you some good life principles. And so um, that, that's so important to me. And it gives you more confidence. Uh, and, and I was just reading something the other day. So uh, I'll just share this with you real quick. I was reading John 3.16, and it's a famous verse. And everybody knows it. You know, for God's love of the world, he gave his only son. Uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Okay, so everybody knows everybody knows that verse. Well, I'm reading in my study Bible the other day that when when Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus, uh, to the teacher of Israel, right, the Sanhedrin, when he's saying this to Nicodemus, that that is so counter to what the Israelites have heard. For God so loved the world, right? Not for God so loved Israel, and so. Because Israel was God's, were God's chosen people. So when, when I heard about that, I was like, or when I, when I read that, this is two days ago. When I read that, I go, whoa, I didn't realize, I've heard that verse my whole life. I didn't realize how counter to what the Israelites really believe. Jesus is really trying to get them to understand you have to, you have to be born again. Like you have to, and you have to follow me, not these these rules and regulations and, and laws that, that you're trying to get people to, to hold that are, that they're never going to achieve. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, no, that's really well said. But Jesus was radical. That's why they killed him. Cause he was, he was, he was, he was flipping their deal upside down. They didn't like it. Uh, that's just, that's the reality of it. And Jesus came to abolish religion, not to create it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another radical nature of, of who Jesus is. You, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, it gets tagged with the religious label, but he's all about relationship and one hundred and one, um, and that's the the freedom of walking with the Lord, right? Uh, no doubt. I, I love no what doubt. you said about First Thessalonians five sixteen. Uh, all those, all those, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think sometimes we get bogged down in what is God's will, mm. and sometimes we don't. Mm. We we want to know this micro. God's will, like God, do I turn right or do I turn left? Right. But he when we're when we got our nose in his word, he gives us the macro piece very clearly. Like here's some characteristics that I want you to represent on a daily basis. Yeah. They're good for you. Whether that means you're working in this job or that job, I you know, I, I I think sometimes there's he's specific on that. Sometimes do we know he wanted you to be an NBA ref or not be an NBA ref, right? You but what we do know. Is he wants you to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Like we do know that. Um, and I, I'm not trying to minimize the, the thoughtful, prayerful decisions that people make every day about forks in the road. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think sometimes yeah, we get yeah. paralyzed on some of that stuff and we forget like, well, I, I'm not quite sure what he wants me to do here, but I'm certain what he wants me to do in, in things yeah. that have more lasting uh, mm-hmm. relevance. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, and that's why I think, um, it's really, really important to, to rest and to get to a quiet place and to allow Jesus to speak to you and, and, and hear from him. Uh, we live in sports. We live in a chaotic world. I mean, when we're, uh, 94 by 50 every night, it is, I mean, 14, 15,000 people screaming at you. Um, 
and sorry, 200 people at the junior college is, is yeah. sometimes just as bad. More personal sometimes, um, I bet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, yeah. and so, um, so it's, it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of noise in officiating, uh, for coaches, for players. It's a lot of noise that we're dealing with. And so, um, we have to find a way. Look what Jesus did. I mean, if you look, um, John the John the Baptist is is just been beheaded. He just hears that news, right? Uh, and he what does he do? He retreats. Mm-hmm. He goes to a desolate place. Well, the people don't like that. They want more of his miracles, so they're coming after him again. And now he he feeds the five thousand. So he has to get to this place, this quiet place, and so he gets there. And then at the end of that day. He's exhausted. He's beat. His fully human, right? Fully God, fully man. But his human side of things has got to be exhausted. And and um, what does he do again? He retreats. He retreats to a to a desolate place, uh, to a quiet place, to pray. Um, John Mark Comer in his book says this. You know, before he's he's tempted in the wilderness, he he is fasting in prayer for 40 days, right? Fasting is something, uh, if it's not on the keto diet, it's something that we've all forgotten about in, yeah. in today, right? Me included, right? I'm not great at this. But but he was fasting and spending time in prayer with the Father for 40 days. And we all think that's from a place of weakness that he came from. And and John Mark Comer kind of spins it on its head and goes, no, that's actually, he was at it from a place of strength. Think about how much he had to rely on the Father and the Holy Spirit in those moments, mm-hmm. right, to, to do the will. So um, I think that's something, and it's this whole idea of rest has is, is just been on my on my mind. It's really hard for us to do as officials during the season. We're going every night, but we have to find those times, whether that be at 10 o'clock at night in our room, uh, listening to worship, spending time in prayer, um, reaching out to, like I said, our, our people in our five that, that are going to pour into us, um, versus turning on the TV and, and vegging out, you know? Yeah. So, Hey, Nate, last, you, you've been tremendous, by the way, and I knew you would be. Uh, tell us about your ministry, the Monday night uh, devotional. It's been going for three years now, I believe. It's every Monday night. I, and I've, I've joined on sometimes. I'd like to get back to listen to you guys, but just tell us how it started and some cool things that you've seen come out of that group, please. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, for speaking on it. Jimmy spoke on the call, um, and and uh, we really are grateful uh, for you to do that. And we'd love to have you back sometime. Um, you know, so uh, in 2020, um, during COVID, my wife and I, uh, God had charged us after we recommitted and and surrendered and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we just knew that officiating was not for us; it's for Him and His. It's a platform He's given us, and we just didn't know what He wanted to do yet. Um, so I spoke at the referees embracing faith conference in, in August of 2019. And so kind of coming out of that, my wife and I are praying and we say, okay, let's start this local gathering. Let's start a local gathering in Spokane. Um, will the first hour we'll have, you know, dinner and anybody that wants to show up, show up. We'd love to just get the community of officials in Spokane together where I live. And, um, and then, and then we didn't, you know, it wasn't any bait and switch, none of that. We said, hey, uh, the next hour is going to be the, the Bible, and we're going to talk about the Bible, and we'd love for you to stick around. So uh, we did one in January, one in February. I think we only had like two people leave the whole time. So it was it was, it was was cool. So people were sticking around and wanted to hear about Jesus. Well, you all know what happened in March. And um, <laughs> so COVID comes around, and we're like, what, a, you know, I, I, we can't have this anymore in person. Um, so a, a group of us got together to pray. This is early April of 2020. 
And then, uh, you know, everybody was doing Zoom calls and everything back then. So we got together the next week and we prayed. And then we got together the third week and we prayed and we opened up the scriptures. And then the fourth week and the fifth week and the sixth week. And so we just kept, we kept going and, um, and God has turned it into to what it is today to give you the, the backstory on the name. So we have been going through that year and, and, you know, this referee tells this referee and this referee tells that referee. And it's just, it's all been, you know, organic and, and how it's, how it's grown to what it is today. Um, that fall we have, you know, Monday night football starting up and, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, KB Burdett, who you, you know, uh, Jimmy, good official. Uh, yeah. 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 Really good official yeah. and a great friend of mine. He, he, um, that fall, he goes, Hey, this isn't Monday night football. This is MND Monday night devotional. And that's how the name came. Um, so it's all been really incredible. What's really been, um, neat to see out of that is, um, the community of people that would have never met each other. Um, they'll run into each other at airports. Uh, they'll see each other, um, uh, at game sites. They'll, um, like for for example, we have a retreat last week. I've I hadn't met I don't know half or three quarters of the people in person before. And we get together and it's like we all know each other. And and we did, and it was incredible. So um but what's really neat is we have um referees that referee primarily women's basketball. Uh we have uh men's basketball referees, we have baseball umpires, we have people from the Philippines, we have people from Australia, we have people from Canada, um, that have somehow and Jess and I are just blown away by God's grace and the whole deal. And um most importantly it's the community piece of it that is just um which has never happened in officiating, right? There's there's people that um you know, officials as you guys know are sometimes uh we're, we're forgotten. We're not the we're not the most favorite uh, place in the world or p- favorite people in the world. So, um, that's why I appreciate you guys having me on today and having Doug on and people to, to bring light to, to what we do because, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, an area that's been needed and God's grace through that whole thing has just, um, unmerited favor is what grace means. And he's, he's been so faithful, uh, to a, to a guy from a small farming town that, uh, doesn't deserve any of this. Um, it's just, um, and that's what Jess and I say all the time. I do, I do it with my wife and, um, you know, we, we just, there's some Mondays we don't want to turn on and hit play and we turn it on and God fills a, us up more than, um, yep. you know, that we do any of the filling up to other people. So, yeah. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. God has, God has obviously changed your heart and changed your life and you're doing a great job, Nate, of, uh, taking advantage of your platform and your how God has gifted you to point people to Jesus through that, and I appreciate it very much. So, man, thanks for joining us. I know this is your off-season right now. There's there's, there's not much of an off-season. You're up at 5.30 this morning working out. Officials, they got to stay in shape year-round. But, uh, man, thank you very much. Uh, your, uh, your heart for God and uh, just another story of how God has— you took a man who was, quote, running from God— and now you're pointing people towards him. And I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Thank you for your time today with us. Yeah, thank you, guys. And thank you for all you do for the kingdom. It's uh, I, I love listening to the podcast. And um, just keep going ahead because God's using both of you. Thank you so much. Wow, Chris, where do you want to begin here? There's so many good nuggets and so many good thoughts. I, I, I just always love seeing a heart that's been changed by Jesus because, he, like you said many times, he was running from God. Almost like a 
story, a little bit of, of, of Saul and Paul, a guy that was running away from God. Then he ends up just leading people towards Jesus right now with his Monday night devotional. But um, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of cool things. One thing I know is I'm, I'm going to spend time with my wife this week talking about how we spend Sabbath you know, and then really, do we need to kind of look at that as a family? Are we just kind of, are we in a routine right now, just going to church and going about our day, which we are? I'll admit that. Uh, and I'm going to study up on that a little bit. Yeah, so, there's some, there's some uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't have to look like uh, uh, couch potato. Uh, you know, Kyle right. Adam and our pastor gave a great sermon on it, it, connecting with the Lord, certainly, but resting from your your grind, your routine. There could be, um, it could be technology Sabbath. You say, well, I'm just putting the phone away today, or I'm not checking my email today. Um, you know, usually it certainly means connection, but it could be something like for me, Sabbath is, um, I, I, you know, waking up, making breakfast with my wife for my wife and kids on Sunday morning, going to church. And then like we, we, Sarah comes home and truly rests. Like that fills her up. For me, it could uh-huh. be cutting the grass. Like I enjoy yeah. that. That actually enjoy. Or in certain periods of the year where I have some space to do it, I'll go play golf with my dad, my brother. Usually one or two of my sons will come with us. Like, and then we go have a family meal. Like that, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're active, yes. but that, th- those are things where we're resting from a normal routine. There's no work involved. It's, it's, it it fills your cup up. You know what I'm saying? So yes, um, yes. There, that Sabbath can look differently um, uh-huh. in, in different ways, but it is a break from the routine that allows for connection and refreshment, and it's for our good. You know. Um, yeah. So anyway, you know, that's just a little bit on on some some ways that I've been sharpened through that concept and taught on that concept, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's hard for a lot of guys. Uh, wired like you and I to, to rest, and, and Nate made the point as well. He said, "It's not always easy just to just to rest." Um, and but there's such great uh, prosperity in that, and and trust in that that uh, God gave this to us for a for a reason, uh, for our good. And uh, it's challenging for me to think for our family right now, and, and teaching our daughter. Kind of what that looks like because we don't we don't rest enough as a family. I know that we are hundred mile per. I would challenge our listeners to to find time with the Lord on a daily basis and try to find time to rest in the Lord on a daily basis through His Word yes. and yeah. and through prayer or it could be through worship music. Uh, but to find that daily uh, routine of of resting and and listening um, to the Lord. So. Uh, I, I would say, uh, I, you know, I thought it was interesting. The early part of his story was that he was raised in an outwardly Christian home, but inwardly it was a mess. I thought he did a nice job of honoring his parents. You know, one of the Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father. Like I've been around some Christian men that were raised in really rough situations, but they they were very careful to not, you know, to dishonor yeah. their folk. Like they're telling the, the story, uh-huh. but they're not going to hammer their parents through it, you know? And I thought he did a very yeah. good job of giving us a glimpse uh, of of why he was running from the Lord. But also I think it's very convicting of um, the damage we can do to people if we're a house of cards and if, if it's all an outward act and not an inward commitment, you know? That's real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
he talked about his um I think you challenge you ask him when he's on the road, how does he stay accountable? And and he talked about accountability with his eyes and his words and different things. And I had this brought up to me earlier this week and I and I, I, I kind of resonated on it for a while and thought, you know what? That, that might be really, really true. That as a believer, when you're out with a group of guys or or just going about your day or whatever, um I think one of the Telltale signs of a believer is our words. Can you think about it? You know, if 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 you're around someone you've never met before, and in the first five minutes they're telling an off-color joke, they've already dropped a couple of curse words, an f-bomb. You just you're probably thinking, I don't know if this person's a believer or not. You know, I that's me. That's 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 just kind of where my thoughts go. Uh, and the power of our words is so, so important as a follower of Jesus to always be uh, attentive and remindful that man, our words have so much power, but they also just have so much reflection for others about who Jesus is in our life. You know, I, I never really thought about that, but the more you think about it, if you don't know someone, the first thing you hear is the first five minutes of the conversation, you kind of start to figure out, who is this person? What do they believe? Yeah. You know, well, out of the overflow of the heart, the yes. mouth speaks, right? Yes. So we're called to be salt and light, and so you you'd certainly a lot of times the first impression of someone is yeah. their words, no doubt about it. And I I think what the Lord's convicted me a lot on lately is I, I you know when I was prayerful that he would take cursing from my tongue, he answered that prayer, prayer quickly. But that doesn't mean I still can't sin with my mouth because I certainly can, even if it's not a curse word, right? It could just be sarcasm. It could be gossip. Yep. Um, it could be um, uh, a missed opportunity to not encourage or build up, yeah. right? So, uh, but I hear you. Our words are, are certainly powerful, and we can we can um, make an impact by what we choose to say, what we choose not yes. to say. Um, I, I would say I, I just wanted to kind of close with this because I didn't want to get too too deep into it with Nate, but just for our listeners. In Luke chapter seven, he brought up John the Baptist and John the Baptist being beheaded and uh, Jesus uh, needing to withdraw to deal with his grief over that, right. right? I think one of the most powerful examples of John the Baptist is that when John was imprisoned, he sent two of his followers to Jesus um, and asked Jesus, they were, he sent them to Jesus to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? So here's John. He did nothing but prepare the way for Jesus. And when he was in prison and his death was imminent, he, he had some doubt. And, and, and he sends, this is Luke um, 7, chapter, uh, verse, verse 18. And so they, they go and, and find Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 22, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have had leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus says, go back and remind John that, that I've done what, I, what the Messiah, what the, what the Christ was supposed to have done. Just remind him, just remind him, I am who, who he thinks I am. Thinks yeah. I am, I am who I've said I am. That's right. So after those messengers left to go back to John, Jesus starts talking about John the Baptist. And to, to wrap it up quickly, on 28, he says, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. And 
I, I think to myself, like, wait a second, John just was having Doubted doubts. You. Yeah. Don just John just sent people to make sure you are who he thinks you are and you, who you're supposed to be. And yet you're saying of those born of women, there's there's no greater than John. And I, I just I want to encourage our listeners. This always encourages me. I, I can really get into the weeds of thought. I love apologetics. I love listening to contrary beliefs and, and thoughts. And I can wrestle with how does a loving God allow bad things happen to good people, natural disaster? I can wrestle with all right. that stuff. And John had doubts. John the Baptist, who gave his entire life and was literally beheaded because of what he did in his calling to prepare the way for Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He heard the voice of God yeah. speak to he Jesus. He saw the dove. He saw it, and he had <laughs> yeah. doubts. And, 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 and Jesus not only didn't condemn him for those doubts, but he ends up praising John on the back end of it. And I just think to myself, like, man, I hope that our listeners don't allow the, the whispers of the, of the liar to, of their doubts to take them to a place that is away from God, because God welcomes our doubts. He welcomes our questions. He wants them. And uh, I think that passage is such an encouragement about Absolutely. that. Because to me, if you don't have some doubts and you don't wrestle with some stuff, your eyes aren't yeah. open. Like you're not, you're not seeing the world around us because it can be dark and evil and it can bring questions. up questions. Absolutely it can. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I, I was reading a devotional this morning before we got on and part of the devotional was saying, uh, basically, God, train my heart to hear your whisper and not so much the yelling, the constant yelling of the enemy. Um, and it, 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 I, I love that. I love how it was put anyways. And um, because we all, man, we all like wake up day to day sometimes like, is this really, is, is this, am I really on the right path here? Does God, can I really trust what God says here? And, and all so many things. I've never thought about what you just said about John the Baptist. And that's uh I really appreciate your insight on that, Chris, because mm. man, that's, Thank you, you're man. right. Well, if he can doubt, then we shouldn't beat ourselves y up yes. if we have doubts, yes. right? But where do we take them? And he sends two messengers right to Jesus. Yeah. And that's where we should take them. We should take our doubts right to the Lord, right to his word, to other believers. Because yep. um, that that that's not only is that a, not a bad thing, it's, it's a, a good, good thing. thing. I want to finish with this, uh, talking about the power of our words. Uh, in Psalm 15, written by David, David says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? Well, it's he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. He who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury, usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Uh, there's probably eight or nine things that David writes about there and five or six of them are directed towards our words. Will you close some prayer? Lord, uh, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for our brother Nate and uh, his heart for you. Lord, thank you for your word that encourages us, uh, calls us higher, Lord, and um, offers us uh, the, the bread of life, which which this world does not, Lord. So I just pray for anybody hearing my voice that if they haven't accepted you, that they would 
confess and repent and accept the good grace that only you offer. And uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, your calling and your hope that is above anything this world has to offer, Lord. So we just praise you for that this morning. And um, thank you for the blessing of being able to share from your word. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.